Welcome to another episode of Electric Dreams. If you are here, you have found your way to my quaint cottage in the digital countryside. Please come in, have a seat. There are enough well-oversized and amply cushioned Victorian chairs for all. I am your host, Bonaparte, and you are listening to Blind Skeleton One Online Radio. Electric Dreams is my opportunity to share with you, all of you, some of the early electrically recorded music from the years, roughly, give or take, 1927 to 1937. Over the course of the past several weeks, we have been exploring the years, starting from 1927 and moving forward. Brings us tonight to 1929. 1929 is a year that stands as a testament to the resilience of the human spirit, the transformative power of music, and the indomitable will to find joy even in the face of adversity. 1929 was a pivotal year, marking the end of the Roaring Twenties, a decade of prosperity, cultural dynamism, and rapid technological advancements. But as the year drew to a close, the world teetered on the brink of economic collapse, with the infamous Black Tuesday stock market crash sending shockwaves across nations. Yet amidst this backdrop of uncertainty and change, music remained a beacon of hope. It was the rhythm that kept hearts beating, the melody that soothed troubled souls, and the lyrical poetry that gave voice to the dreams and despair of a generation. Tonight, we'll explore the rich tapestry of 1929's music scene, delving into its cultural significance, its reflection on societal shifts, and the timeless stories that it tells. So grab a drink, we've got some Skeleton Brew finest waiting for you, and let's embark on this nostalgic journey together. Thank you. 
As we dive into the musical landscape of 1929, it's essential to understand the state of the recorded music industry during this time. The mid-1920s had seen a revolutionary shift with the advent of electrical recording, replacing the older acoustic methods. The difference was essentially the earlier methods were very equivalent to singing into the large end of a funnel, while around 1926 and 1927, engineers devised a way of using microphones to electrically amplify volume. This new technology, now maturing, offered a much clearer and more dynamic sound recording than prior. Jazz was the heartbeat of the era. From the lively streets of New Orleans to the bustling clubs of Harlem, jazz rhythms echoed the spirit of the times. Artists like Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, and Bessie Smith were not just musicians, they were cultural icons shaping the soundtrack of a generation. But 1929 wasn't just about jazz. The blues, with its soulful melodies and poignant lyrics, resonated deeply with many, reflecting the struggles and hopes of everyday life. Legends like Robert Johnson and Ma Rainey gave voice to the joys, heartbreaks, and tales of the American South. Yet as the year progressed, the music industry faced unprecedented challenges. The Great Depression loomed large and record sales plummeted. Many recording labels struggled to stay afloat, and some artists found themselves without a platform. But adversity often breeds creativity. The economic hardships led to a surge in heartfelt, soul-stirring music, capturing the essence of the times. It's fascinating to think about how even in the face of economic downturns and societal upheavals, music remained a constant source of solace and expression. It was a testament to its enduring power and the deep connection it forged with listeners. Nowhere, what do I care? Your kiss is all. 
As we continue our journey through 1929, it's crucial to grasp the broader cultural shifts that were sweeping across the United States. This was a year of transition, of endings and beginnings, and of profound societal change. The Roaring Twenties had been a decade of exuberance, of flapper dresses and speakeasies, of newfound freedoms and technological marvels. But as 1929 rolled around, the party was coming to an end. The stock market crash in October, often referred to as Black Tuesday, signaled the onset of the Great Depression, a period of economic downturn and widespread unemployment. Yet even in these challenging times, innovation didn't halt. The world of entertainment was undergoing a transformation. The talkies, movies with sound, were taking over the silver screen, bringing news, music, and stories right into people's living rooms. Urbanization was on the rise, with more and more people flocking to cities in search of opportunities. And while Prohibition tried to curb the nation's thirst, it inadvertently gave rise to underground music scenes, speakeasies, and a jazz-infused nightlife. Culturally, 1929 was a melting pot of influences. From the Harlem Renaissance, which celebrated black culture and artistry, to the growing women's rights movement, the year was marked by voices seeking change, equality, and recognition. It's within this rich tapestry of events and movements that our music from 1929 finds its context. Each song, each note, is a reflection of the world from which it emerged, a world of hope, struggle, innovation, and resilience.
Music has always been a mirror to society, reflecting its joys, sorrows, aspirations, and challenges. And in 1929, the symbiotic relationship between music and cultural shifts was more pronounced than ever. The hardships of the Great Depression were beginning to take root, and the music of the time captured this sentiment. Lyrics spoke of economic struggles, lost jobs, and the dreams of better days. Yet even in these tales of hardship, there was a thread of hope, a belief in the human spirit's resilience. Jazz, with its improvisational nature, became a symbol of adaptability and innovation. It was a genre that thrived on experimentation, mirroring a society in flux. The lively beats and infectious rhythms provided an escape, a brief respite from the challenges of daily life. On the other hand, the blues delved deep into the soul, articulating the pain, longing, and raw emotions of the era. It was a genre that didn't shy away from reality, but embraced it, finding beauty in authenticity. And as the nation grappled with change, music became a unifying force. It bridged divides, brought communities together, and offered solace and shared experiences. Songs became anthems of resistance, of solidarity, and of hope. It's truly remarkable to think about how music and culture influenced each other in 1929. They were intertwined, each shaping and being shaped by the other, creating a rich tapestry of sound and history that still resonates with us today.
Okay, and that concludes the first half of our show. I'd like to take a brief interlude here and allow allow myself to introduce you to the taste of Skeleton Brew coffee. Skeleton Brew, to be perfectly honest, is our sister brand. The sales of it are what keeps us floating here at Blind Skeleton and what keeps the show going. That said, Skeleton Brew is, if you are a coffee lover, it is an absolute delightful treat for your taste buds. And with every purchase, a portion of the sales go directly to supporting the arts in Delaware. This particular month, September and October, we are supporting Opera Delaware. Opera Delaware, the end of October, will be playing one of my favorite operas ever, Rigoletto. If you've been listening to Three Tune Tuesday lately, you will have been hearing some Rigoletto songs and arias that we have been playing. It's an absolute wonderful, wonderful opera. If you're up in Delaware at the end of October, we do encourage you to go see it. 10% of all sales from Skeleton Brew's coffee between now and the end of October will go to Opera Delaware, which is a nonprofit organization, and we're looking forward to supporting them. And of course, as Halloween and the spooky season approaches, we do have our new Halloween roasts as well, perfect for those chilly October mornings. We have three new Halloween roasts that we encourage you to go check out. We've got a mocha, we've got a cinnamon green apple, and of course we have the season's favorite pumpkin spice. And as you are there browsing through the website at skeletonbrew.coffee, I would invite you to scroll a little farther down the page, below the fold, so to speak, and check out some of the new coffee recipes that we put up on a routine basis. We've got coffee recipes for drinks and snacks, as well as having blog posts about the industry and coffee in general. Get the opportunity to dive deep into the world of coffee and discover something new with each visit, and, of course, assist and help out the arts in Delaware at the same time. The, bleh, the introduction of talkies in the late 1920s really did mark a revolutionary shift in the world of cinema. Prior to this, films were silent, relying on title cards and live musical accompaniment to convey dialogue and mood. Sound technology, however, Movies could now incorporate spoken dialogue and, important for us, music and sound effects, bringing a new level of realism and immersion to the cinematic experience. 1929 was a pivotal year for talkies as they began to dominate the film industry. The transition from silent to sound films was rapid, and by the end of the decade, silent films were largely a thing of the past. This technological advancement had profound so social and cultural implications. For audiences, talkies offered a richer and more engaging viewing experience. They could now hear the voices of their favorite actors and be drawn into the story in a way that silent films couldn't achieve. This also meant that actors with distinctive or appealing voices became new stars, while some silent film actors struggled to adapt to the demands of sound cinema. You, one can see how the advent of talkies and electrical recording would have happened at the same time. Indeed, one couldn't have happened without the other. And the two are very much intertwined. 
A lot of this was assisted, in a way, by the advent of the Great Depression. People were looking for an escape, and they went to movies. Uh, in the movies, they heard new songs that they enjoyed, and they were able to spend a few extra pennies to buy the songs to listen to at home to help them with their escapism. Moreover, talkies played a role in shaping societal norms and values. They introduced audiences to different accents, languages, and cultures, fostering a sense of global interconnectedness. The ability to hear dialogue also meant that screenwriters could delve deeper into character development and narrative complexity, allowing for a more nuanced storytelling. The second half of our show is going to be very much influenced by talkies, 
and all of the songs that we are going to listen to from here through the end of the show will have come from talkies or musicals of some form. Such was the importance of talkies to culture and helping people at the time. That last song was If I Had a Talking Picture of You. It was on the Madison Records label. This next one is Painting the Clouds with Sunshine. This is by Ted White's Collegians on the Oriole Records label. Painting the Clouds with Sunshine is a radiant and optimistic tune from the iconic musical The Gold Diggers of Broadway. This 1929 musical film, one of the earliest talkies, was a technicolor sensation even that showcased the glitz, glamour, and challenges of Broadway performers. It became a massive hit and influenced many subsequent productions. Ted White's collegians, with their lively and spirited rendition, perfectly captured the song's essence of hope and resilience, which would have spoken to a lot of people at the time. The lyrics, which do speak of finding joy and positivity even in challenging times, resonated with audiences, especially given the looming economic challenges of the era. In the context of our theme of the week, the song, along with its parent musical, serves as a testament to the enduring spirit of entertainment and the arts. It's a celebration of the power of music and cinema to uplift spirits, even when the outside seems bleak.
And as that song comes to a close, and before we dive into the rest of our musical journey, I would like to bring out a couple of more announcements and clarifications. We do play these records live. We are not pre-recording them. We don't pull them off of YouTube or the Internet Archive. These songs all do come out of the Blind Skeleton personal collection. And as you could tell from that last particular song, sometimes the records have a couple of hiccups and scratches on them. Such is the way of life with live music. Live theater is the same way. The show must go on and you just continue with it. Now, that said, if you like what you're listening to, or for that matter, if you'd like to hear something else, by all means, please do get in touch with us. If you're scrolling through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or even Mastodon, we are there, and we love interacting with each and every one of you. You can find all our social media links on our website at blindskeleton.one, or you can just email me directly at bonaparte at blindskeleton.one and tell me how much that last song sucked because it skipped. And for those eagerly awaiting our next session, we will be back live on the air next Tuesday for 3 Tune Tuesday at its regular time of noon Eastern Time. And of course, in the meantime, you can dive into the Blind Skeleton Record Catalog on our website. If a particular song does catch your fancy, send in a request. As a token of my appreciation, I'll send you back a coupon for 10% off your next purchase of coffee at skeletonbrew.coffee. It's my way of saying thank you and for participating. Our next song is Tiptoe Through the Tulips With Me by Willard Young and his orchestra on the Cameo Records label. This particular song comes from the same musical as our last song, The Gold Diggers of Broadway. Within the narrative of the show, the song is a standout providing a light-hearted and romantic interlude amidst the drama and spectacle of the Broadway world. It encapsulates the dreamy escapism that many sought during the era, offering audiences a melodic journey through fields of tulips and moonlit nights. Willard Young and his orchestra's rendition captures the song's playful spirit, making it a memorable highlight of the musical. In the context of our weekly theme for the week, the song serves as a reminder of the transformative power of music in storytelling. It's a song that not only adds depth to the narrative of the gold diggers of Broadway, but also resonates with audiences, transporting them into a world of romance and imagination.
Our next song, Big City Blues, is a poignant number from the film Fox Movie Tune Follies of 1929. This musical review, a showcase of Fox's stars and production numbers, was a spectacle of the early sound era, capturing the essence of the Roaring Twenties. Annette Hanshaw, with her emotive and soulful voice, brings depth to Big City Blues, a song that delves into the complexities of urban life and the juxtaposition of glamour and loneliness that the big city can bring. The lyrics touch upon the allure of the city lights and the underlying melancholy that can sometimes accompany the hustle and bustle of city life. Or not, and we were having such a fantastic show up until this point, too, until technical difficulties began to really raise their face and get in my way. So the next song we're going to play is I Get the Blues When It Rains, a melancholic and soul-stirring piece by Jesse Crawford that touches upon the profound connection between weather and human emotions. The song with its evocative lyrics and haunting melody, captures the feeling of longing and, longing and nostalgia that a rainy day can evoke. Jesse Crawford, renowned for his emotive musical style, brings depth and nuance to this classic tune, making it resonate deeply with listeners. The song speaks of the universal experience of finding solace in nature's rhythms and a cathartic release that a rain shower can bring. In the context of our weekly theme, the song serves as a reflection on the power of music to mirror our innermost feelings and the shared human experience of finding beauty in life's fleeting moments.
Okay, we have about 12 minutes left in our show, and I do believe I have corrected our prior technical issue. So we are going to go back to Big City Blues by Annette Hanshaw. We have a new feature this week. Recently we came into possession of a couple of 78 RPM albums. Now an album in this particular sense is a collection of records. Each 78 RPM record can hold approximately for a 10 inch record, maybe three and a half minutes. For a 12 inch record, perhaps four and a half minutes of audio on each side. So in order to put together a collection of songs, they actually did create an album of multiple pages of records in it. And recently we came across a couple that are named I Can Hear It Now. I Can Hear It Now is a collection of news recordings, essentially, from the early era of radio. And I thought that this would be a very, very fitting thing to add to Electric Dreams. Tonight, the the words, the news that we're going to be listening to will be coming from 1933, when radio news broadcasts were just really beginning to come into their own. This is definitely what we could call the golden age of radio.
the sounds of days that are past. We record a new dimension of sounds from 13 years of violence and achievement, part of the greatest mass adventure man has yet undertaken. A voice can cut through the hazy fog of time and bring yesterday's images sharply into focus. Do you recognize this voice? You hold the distinction of being the only nation in the history of the world that ever went to the poorhouse in an automobile. That was the voice of Will Rogers, trying to teach America how to laugh its way through a depression. 1933 was dark all over the world. Japan was already in Manchuria, and the League of Nations was dying in Geneva. In Germany, the Reichstag fire was history. So was the Weimar Republic. In Italy, Benito Mussolini had translated a people's search for security into savage conquest. In rich, fertile America, fear and uncertainty lay heavy upon the land. Our greatest primary task is to put people to work. Franklin D. Roosevelt stood beside Chief Justice Hughes on the steps of the Capitol on that raw afternoon of March 4th, and a nation with 15 million unemployed listened. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. The first year of the New Deal was vigorous, desperate, experimental, and like a surgeon's most powerful drugs, dangerous. Franklin Roosevelt and his corps of political practitioners, Hopkins, Tugwell, Moley, Wallace, and Hugh Johnson, created the most controversial administration since Lincoln's. And yet, either because of it or in spite of it, the patient revived and prospered. Production and employment were up. The soup kitchens and the apple stands disappeared. But a nervous America was still not sufficiently removed from panic to disregard completely the promises and plans of political soothsayers such as Townsend, Coughlin, and Huey Long. The bank accounts show that one 150th part of the people own two-thirds of all the money that's in the bank. The only way by which we can ever bring this country out is to redistribute the wealth. 1936 was the year in which the state of New Jersey electrocuted Bruno Richard Hauptmann for the Lindbergh kidnapping. It was also a presidential election year. But the biggest news story was in London and concerned political intrigue, an empire, a Baltimore beauty, and the King of England. On the night of December 11th, as Big Ben told the hour, London cinemas were deserted, New York subways empty at their usual rush hour. In Eugene, Oregon, and Johannesburg, you could hear the world quiet down. This is Windsor Castle, His Royal Highness Prince Edward. At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. I have never wanted to withhold anything. But until now, it has not been constitutionally possible for me to speak. But you must believe me when I tell you that I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility 
and to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do. Without the help and support of the woman I love. And now we all have a new king. I wish him and you, his people, happiness and prosperity with all my heart. God bless you all. God save the king. And that does bring us to the end of our show for the night. Thank you all for listening in, whether you are listening live or listening via the podcast. I would like to remind that we do this live, and when we do get technical difficulties, as is sometimes the case with these old pieces of equipment, well, we just keep moving forward the best that we can. We do everything live, we do it with vintage equipment, and we do it with records and needles that were played at the time. So I do see sneaking in through the back door, this story lady. She often visits us on 3 Tune Tuesday, but she's giving us a special appearance tonight. She's always got a wonderful story to share with us. Once again, thank you all for listening in. Please do, if you are a coffee lover, go check out skeletonbrew.coffee. We've got some great roasts that I know you will enjoy. And have a fantastic evening. It's time now for another visit with a story lady. Hello, boys and girls. Today we're going to hear the story I call The Curse of the Gorgon. Once upon a time, there was a young man who was shipwrecked on a strange island. And on this island, there lived a beautiful gorgon. In that time, a gorgon was a very strange kind of witch who had snakes instead of hair on her head. And if one looked directly into the eyes of the gorgon, he would be turned immediately to stone. The young man, however, was very smart and very brave. He took his sword and his shield and polished it until it shone like a mirror. And then he went to seek the gorgon. He did not look at the gorgon, but held his shield so that he could see her reflection. And as he pursued her this way, the gorgon caught a glance of her own reflection, and horrified at the way she looked, ran away quickly to comb her snakes. Thank you, story lady. Be listening next time, boys and girls, when the story lady will recite the Burma Shave signs between Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Mobile, Alabama. <laughs>